Hello, everybody. This is uh, Mark Karaki, Impact Africa Network, the Chini Emoji Podcast. Uh, another exciting week, awesome guest, another founder, part of our founder series. We've got our first female founder. Ah. That's super exciting. Yeah. Paris Posire, co-founder of Farm Drive, which is a fintech startup that uh, is in the farm space, smallholder farmer space, and I'll let you kind of elaborate a little bit on, on what that is, but I'm super excited to have you here, Paris. You and I have known each other for maybe six months to a year. We met um, about that time, yeah. and um, you know, I was very impressed with uh, what you've been able to accomplish uh, as a founder, number one, here in, in Africa. You know, things are very challenging for entrepreneurs, and um, the fact that you're a female founder is also very impressive, I mean, because we know the challenges with that as well. But um, I'll just let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us, you know, your background, where you went to school, and we'll take it from there. Cool. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me. Hi, guests. Yeah, thanks for listening in. Um, as Mark said, my name is Paris. I'm the founder and CEO of FarmDrive. FarmDrive is one of the fintech startups based here in Nairobi, and we operate specifically in the agriculture sector. Mm -hmm. The work that we do is in providing digital financial services to the smallholder value chain, which includes um, smallholder farmers and agro-dealers. Our core products are loans. Mm -hmm. We now have insurance and layaway savings. The, the mission behind starting this company was to, was to and has been, mm -hmm. that hasn't changed, is to drive capital to smallholder businesses. I, my business partner and I, Rita, who's, uh, who will join in sometime, I guess, to give her side of the story, we, we started this company, we started thinking about this company and doing this in 2014 during our final year in college. Mm -hmm. We both um, studied and met at the University of Nairobi in a computer science class. So four years of um, going through tech school mm -hmm. during our final year, that's when we thought about farm drive. The inspiration behind it is first the tech skills. We acquired and also seeing a lot of developments in, in the mobile for tech space. Mm -hmm. But more importantly is the fact that we both grew up in smallholder farming communities. So we understood the challenges farmers face. We understood that smallholder farming is not just a backup career. It's, it's, a, it's a business right. for a lot of people who, who live in rural communities, a lot of people who live in villages mm -hmm. are actually full-time farmers. So it's a business for them. That's where money comes from, to pay school fees, mm -hmm. to buy food. Um, in comparison, we saw that the people who are formerly employed in our communities, and most people in villages are formerly employed as teachers. Most of the formal employment is in teaching. Mm -hmm. Teachers could get loans from, you know, Malimu Sako, mm -hmm. and, and you can even top up and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But for farmers, there was a financial there was infrastructure never, yeah, for teachers. Eh? Yes, there was never an option for where these where farmers actually get their loans. Mm. So teachers in most villages are actually among the most privileged members of the community. Interesting. But who feeds the country? Eighty percent of the food that we consume comes from the small farmers exactly. who are farming in the rural villages. Mm. So in in on, from a high level perspective, that's that's where we're coming from. That's mm. why. The idea struck us that we need a way to formalize how to get credit to the smallholder businesses. We mm. need to give smallholder farmers visibility, not as smallholder farmers, but small businesses who right. need credit 
to grow. Right. That's amazing. I mean, that's, I didn't even know that, uh, I guess when we met, we, we talked a little bit about your background, but you know, when I hear it again, that's a, a very natural uh, path to, uh, to founding a startup because you're trying to solve a problem that's very intimate and very near and dear to you that you understand very well. Yeah. And to me, that's always a sign of um, authenticity and uh, also a signal for somebody or a, a team that has the potential to, to really go the distance. Yeah. So, so that's awesome. Um, so, where, so you guys met at University of Nairobi? Is that, is yeah. that where you met? Yes, so divergent, um, in a divergent, we, we converged at mm. university, but mm. I guess the mm. universe was um, aligning us to meet from, mm. from our childhood because mm. when you look at both our backgrounds, they're really, really very similar. Interesting. Raised mm -hmm. by, um, mostly by mothers who are teachers mm -hmm. and also farmers. Uh, we both went to really good high schools. Um, on merit, mm -hmm. I went to I, I went to Mary Hill in, okay. in Thika, which in Thika. is a, yeah, one school. of the best um, mm -hmm. girls' schools in the country. She went to my girls' Eldoret, my, my business partner Rita, which mm -hmm. is one of the other best girls' schools we have in the country. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we got admitted to the University of Nairobi mm -hmm. to study computer science, which is no which is not no mean feat. That takes yeah. some doing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, the, Very competitive. Yeah. yeah so we mm -hmm. uh, we were all students from mm. primary school, high mm. school. We met, our first meeting was actually in a shared dorm room because we were assigned to the same room in first year. Awesome. So, so, it, so it was just basically, you guys were gonna meet at some point. At some you? point we were gonna <laughs> meet, yeah. That, I think that was decided. Yeah. Uh, then we became friends. Okay, right off the bat or right. did it evolve over time? Right, right off the bat. Okay. We became friends. We had another friend. We were three in the room, so mm -hmm. the three of us were very close and um, developed a very, very tight relationship, tight relationship that's more family uh -huh. than, 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 than yeah. even friendship. We supported each other in different ways. The unique thing about Rita and myself is we found ways to, to keep ourselves busy outside of classwork. Mm, mm. So we'd always be the ones looking and volunteering to do other things with faculty. Mm -hmm. So our first involvement in a real life scenario project was mm. with the Nokia Research Center. There was a partnership, a collaboration between the University of Nairobi and Nokia Research Center to develop games. Mm. The project was called Learning by Doing. Uh -huh. Develop games on those feature phones. Right for kids to learn, kids in rural areas. Again, right. very exciting. So, Aligned with your, with your yeah. background. So Rita and I um, became part of that project. It was mm -hmm. a one-year project. Mm -hmm. We did. We were involved in the project all the way from design, research. Mm -hmm. I remember mm -hmm. it was my first time to go to Busia to interview kids in mm -hmm. primary school. Mm -hmm. how, how do they see games mm -hmm. as, as a tool for learning. Mm -hmm. We developed some games from that. They were deployed in the Ovisto before before Nokia evolved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember my role in the project, I was working in a team where I was a sound engineer. Interesting. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> I was figuring out sound and haptics and whatnot for, for the games kids play. So... I guess doing such projects and being put in a real life scenario where you're doing something that people are using, right, right. it makes you it's feel It's not a lab, it's actually, it's actually a real world kind of a 
you're dealing with the digital world where people actually engage with so it changes it changes something. your perspective and it makes you feel more empowered in a way as yes. a, as a Yes. As a human being because you can see your skills translating to something bigger beyond use, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. When you're a very academically gifted um, student, I, I feel like the the community tends to push you towards more more and more, more books. excellence, <laughs> you know, more books. Yeah. Get yeah. those is let's yeah. see what next PhD and, and whatnot. Right. But that 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 feeling of putting out something in the world that people are using for me it was a very pivotal moment of mm. knowing that beyond the books there's a real world this out is here. it yeah. this is yeah. this is what i offer to to the world and i guess it was the same thing um, for isha so we did the nokia research project she went on to do another project for one year mm -hmm. with nokia i decided to venture into other things so i went to pwc instead mm -hmm. for an internship in their data center i spent some time in the server room and um doing a couple of other things that involved care and whatnot mm -hmm. so that also being in the corporate structure helped, yeah, yeah. It, it helped me understand how does tech translate into the into success the and efficiencies yeah. of corporate organizations right. i have to admit so you saw both sides so consumer both sides, yes. and enterprise and enterprise yeah and i mean the time I spent at corporates, I spent more time at two other corporates after PwC. I guess it also gave me an exposure to who I am and the kind of management environment I thrive in. Mm. I, I didn't have, I had a great experience in terms of learning at PwC, but I didn't have, I don't feel like I got the best cultural environment for who I was and, and the skills that I had because it's such a big corporate. Yeah, and you get swallowed up into the You get swallowed machine. up into, into processes and right. that are set up and that's not me. I right. set up processes. I don't follow the ones that are there. Right. Um, I then went on to work at IBM Research. Mm. No, IBM first, the, the business side for mm. six months on on a, some, I think it was called a global student leadership program, some internship program where we'd work part-time. That was my final year of college. So I was working four hours every day and mm. doing school work. There so you were at PwC time. while you were still at school? This, this whole process while you are still a student? Yeah, or, huh? so I did. I did. Yeah, so I, I've, I found ways to balance my academic work and practical mm, work experience That's yeah cool. I, I i was always doing something and same goes for rita we always had something that we were doing that's cool and that i think that gives you an edge even mm. as, as an entrepreneur or someone who wants to get into employment the networks that you make the exposure that you get mm -hmm. in the different environments it mm -hmm. kind, it sort of gives you an edge right Definitely even, does, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, i i keep telling my sister i've never lacked the confidence of I won't have something to do. Right. And I feel that that strongly came from my engagement in different activities when I was in university. It made me understand the, the kind of skills that I bring into the spaces I'm in and how powerful those are that I could be needed anywhere. So, right. Right. Yeah. So, so, so the, that's, that's more career advice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's useful, right? Because yeah. um, I guess the question I'd ask for you is, you know, it's, it's very challenging, obviously, for I think most people find it very challenging, young yeah. people, to access some of these internships. Mm -hmm. uh, so getting an internship at a company like PwC is highly prized. Uh, and, and, and I think you said IBM as well. So how did you go about that? Do you have any tips for anybody who might be... Because there's, there's this another thing too. Maybe answer that question first, then we'll go to the next one. How did you go about accessing the internships and making it happen? I, I find that... 
I've advanced in my life stages and the opportunities that have come to me through networking mm-hmm. and putting myself out there. I got the PwC opportunity because I told my professor in college that I'm, I'm looking to I'm looking for something different outside of the Nokia research mm-hmm. project mm-hmm. and professors always have opportunities people are always reaching out to professors get me um, students mm-hmm. it might be different I mean the School of Computing and Informatics at the University of Nairobi is really small and close-knit mm-hmm. there's an average of 100 um, students per class less than 100 students per class mm-hmm. so I guess the opportunities are not as competitive as competitive right. as uh, in other schools. Right. Right. Mm. I, I I imagine, but mm. that's that's one of the ways that uh, I got ahead. I always say told people, people that I thought would do. help yeah. what I want, mm. what I want to do. I want mm. to diversify from the Nokia Research Project. Do you have any opportunities? How I got into the, the Nokia Research Project is a, 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 one of the lecturers asked in class, who would like to do this and this. Mm. few of us raised mm. our hands so mm. you, you, you have to put yourself out put, there you have to yeah. present yourself yeah. it was a class of 40 people and I think only 5 of us that happens all raised, the time yeah. raised hands to mm. be part of that project and here we are right? and, and that kept opening doors, doors yeah. um, the IBM project I saw it advertised you applied for it. I applied for it. I did an aptitude. It's the only time that I've done an aptitude. Uh, and um, it seems I passed. I, I'm told I passed. I'm told I got the highest uh, mark for the ladies. Because they were, were doing comparisons. Mm-hmm. So I passed and then I, I did an interview. Mm-hmm. How I passed the interview with the managers mm-hmm. was because I told them of the project I had done with Nokia. So mm-hmm. Nokia opened up. The IBM thing. The IBM opportunity. So here you are in this world where you're being exposed to these mega enterprises, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess it's exposing you to all these concepts, consumer side of technology, and then you're in the, in the server room, back end, and infrastructure, and all that stuff. And so, you know, you start to evolve and kind of figure yourself out, right? Mm-hmm. And how do we now get out of that to go to, to farm drive? And, and, and I'll, I'll pepper that with this to kind of give some contextual backdrop here is most people once they get those in this in our market once people get access to those big corporates that's the goal right they're not trying to do anything else right if anything it's going to be a side hassle but they're not trying to offboard on the mothership that is ibm or or pwc what was your journey right how did you say you know what i'm going to dive right into the deep end of this shark infested water of entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. how did that how did that, that happen i guess Maybe, were you always an entrepreneur from before? Did you ever do anything entrepreneurial in the past? How did this come about? No, I never sold even a pen or pencil to my <laughs> classmates. <laughs> You're too busy doing homework. <laughs> I was busy uh, doing studios. No, um, previously I mentioned that being in these spaces gave me the confidence to believe in my skills. Mm. So... In retrospect, when I look back, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel that the reason why I decided to come into entrepreneurship, it's because I was very confident of my skills and mm-hmm. what I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. It, it allowed me to take risks. Mm-hmm. I, I, I worked at IBM in the business office for six months, then mm-hmm. I moved to the IBM 
research again an opportunity I looked for because I wanted to be more involved in software engineering. Mm-hmm. I found myself working with research scientists on very sometimes very hypothetical things mm-hmm. that I, I, I in, sometimes I questioned is this practical or valuable in any or, real or sense valuable mm-hmm. and I'm spending so much time I'm mm-hmm. writing code I'm analyzing data is this is this the best use of, of my potential mm-hmm. not even time for me I looked at it more from potential and purpose okay is this is this the best that I, I can achieve I then moved from IBM to I was hired by an arm of the uh, CBK the Central Bank of Kenya mm-hmm. to help set up their mobile banking security lab I don't know why they would hire the junior most software <laughs> engineer in the country to set up their mobile banking security lab but that <laughs> That happened. Maybe they're not serious about it. They're like, eh, let's look like we're doing something. Hey, you, come here. Do this. <laughs> I don't know. Happened. It's just weird. <laughs> yeah, I, pr- I kid you not, I was their first hire. I was based at the Kenya School of Monetary Studies in their newest building. First wow. hire for that. How did you know? How did that job come about? Again, networking. I met someone who knew about... The job. <laughs> not even the job. Um, my experience at... No carry. I met someone through IBM right. at one of the IBM um, events, uh-huh. and yeah, and at that time, Farm Drive had come up. I'd, I'd, I'd started building through and thinking through Farm Drive. So, so, what, so, so talk about how, so, so talk about where did the Farm Drive first conversation happen with you and Rita? Do you remember when that happened? It happened in college. Um, mm. Just I think it was an afternoon or a morning in mm. class. We pulled our desks around and mm-hmm. started talking through. How do we? Where where the which problem domains are ripe for tech? Okay, so it was a general question and not a specific kind of yeah. Like talk about Foundry first. It was like let's just let's let's look to build some tech solutions for. Right. Let's let's do some research here. Yes. Yeah. Um, during my second year at at my school, we normally do two projects mm-hmm. to practical projects during your second year to get your second year diploma and a final year project which is which is which takes the entire year it's, mm-hmm. it's about five units combined during my second year my project was in agriculture actually when I look things just are adding up now mm-hmm. it was an agriculture project I was trying to automate um, the milk collection process at the rural milk collection centers these mm-hmm a lack of transparency in that process. Mm-hmm. People supply milk, they get paid less than they brought. So is this with the cooperatives or is yeah, it like the aggregators? The aggregators, or, sometimes uh, they're cooperatives, sometimes it's they're small micro-aggregators. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My proposal was um, using mobile phones and sensors to, to automate that process so right. that the aggregator knows how much has been supplied. The farmer knows how much they've supplied. From a weight everyone, standpoint? Uh, by weight or by... Weight and quality. Weight and quality. Okay. Yeah, that's why the sensors were involved. Both right. weight and quality and records as well. Mm-hmm. A, a digitized way of capturing mm-hmm. those transactions so that mm-hmm. everyone knows what they're expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, Rita's project was on microfinance. Chalmers. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of helping charmers uh, also digitize their, their processes and tech credit mm-hmm. and whatnot. So mm-hmm. see those, right. those things. Intersectionality, are yeah. Overlap, yeah. yeah. So we 
we kind of had been exposed through our projects to agriculture and finance. But during our final year, having gone through the IBMs and whatnot, and, and also doing, a, we, we did a couple of hackathons where we, we were in winning teams most of the time. Awesome. And, and I have at that time had come up and tech was a wave. I don't know if it's a wave or a wind. <laughs> <laughs> so we felt like we're in the right place to At be the right creators, time. Yeah. Right? right? This is such a privilege to have been admitted to computer science. We are now about to graduate. You're, what you're do the, we do? Right. You're in the, the middle of the most exciting thing. What do we do with, um, yeah. with the skills that we have? Awesome. Yeah. So that's... That's, that's when in 2014, that's, that's when Farm Drive started and we started prototyping. Mm. Being computer scientists, you can code your prototype awesome. overnight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You do not need another dev to do it for you. Mm-hmm. So the prototype started, then we presented at some competition in Accra, was it Accra? Kigali. We didn't win, but the name was out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where did the name come from? It's a cool name actually. It's a cool name. Um, our first our first way of when when we first thought about um, helping farmers and chose finance as a way to help them, immediately we thought of banks are not giving farmers loans because they don't have data about these farmers. So mm-hmm. how do we aggregate alternative data and relevant data that we can give these financial institutions to make to qualify decisions? Them for loans, yeah. mm-hmm. The first <coughs> way of collecting that data, I kid you not, was very simple: just record keeping. How do we help farmers keep records on their mobile phones? When I look back at it, I laugh so much because <laughs> it just doesn't work. But how do we get farmers to keep records on their mobile phones? And then that data can be used by financial institutions to design products and give farmers loans. Mm-hmm. So data and drive, like data is normally like, stored in a hard drive, drive right? Yeah. <laughs> now it would have been called so, farm cloud now. <laughs> okay, all right. So data... Farm drive, yeah. awesome, and, and actually the logo is pretty cool. Who designed the logo for you? I like, I like that logo. Oh yeah, one of our very, very close friends who was actually part of Farm Drive when we were starting out. When we were brainstorming, we were uh-huh. four people uh-huh. on, the, on, the, on the table. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's um, he's a great, he's one of the greatest designers in in Nairobi. I think currently. What's his name? He's called James. He's based at Busara. Hi, James. <laughs> I'll make you listen to this. <laughs> James, yeah. you're getting promotion here, man. So that's awesome. Yeah, we. I love good design. Good yeah. design changes the game in terms yeah. of just, you know, uh, telling a great story yeah. with good design. You can really go far. So that James, awesome logo, man. Yeah. That thing is, you know, it lives forever. Yeah, he also came up with this, um, this slogan, Driving Smallholder Farming. Both a combination nice. of the drive, and the, drive yeah. driving, yeah, yeah. and also um, tractors are driven and whatnot. So let's drive smallholder farming forward through data, through tractors, through whatever means financing. Let's keep driving it forward. That's that's how that you came about. That's, yes. that's great. Um, so so you guys are sitting around a table, ideating. You know, all these kind of cool things are happening. You build an MVP, go to Kigali, and then what? Then what happened next? Um, then we started part-timing on it mm-hmm. on, on weekends, mm-hmm. testing, going on the ground, um, those, the dusty rural areas. Mm-hmm. It was a very hot season. Field research. We started doing the field research mm-hmm. and testing right. of the prototype. Mm-hmm. And we were working as well. That's when I was doing the project with the central bank. And Rita was working at mobile decisioning mode, mm-hmm. one of the um, biggest 
fintechs in, in the country and even in Africa. Um, so we, we were working on this during weekends, weekends mm-hmm. and we, we saw some promise. We were, we were disappointed by the lack of use of record keeping on SMS. Because so your, product, your prototype didn't work, your MVP yeah, didn't work. It didn't work. Okay. Behavioral change is just—it's just difficult. so difficult. Yeah. yeah. But while it didn't work directly as the prototype it was, it helped us uncover where the need is. Exactly. It helps us. So imagine if you, okay, so check this out. Yeah. This is such a very important topic, right? You guys went to the field, right, to actually test it out with real farmers very early in the process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, without that, you would not have known two things. One, this is not going to work this way, the way we think. And two, oh, this is where the, the pain point is. Um, I find that a lot of people locally here don't tend to do that. They build first a big product or they overbuild before they engage the users in a real way or the customers. I've seen that happen a lot. Is that, is that something you've seen or... or what, what, what advice would you give to people kind of starting out right now, just on that particular point? Yeah, I've seen that a lot, and you're right. We need to, we need to test things first, as quickly as possible, to validate if that's a real need that you're imagining there is, and if it's the real need, is, there, is this the best way to solve it? Mm-hmm. Granted, it, things will keep changing, execution will keep changing, mm-hmm. but the sooner you keep figuring that out and eliminating the things that won't work, the better it is for you. Mm-hmm. To add into that, one of the other things I've learned is the need to figure out as early as possible who your paying customers are mm-hmm. and get them to start paying, even if it's just one or two, get that revenue coming in mm-hmm. because it it helps. There's, there's some level of confidence that comes with having revenue from a paying customer. Mm-hmm. You might raise $10 million, mm-hmm. From investors but your hundred dollars from your customer is more valuable for sure than the sure. money from the investor because it then validates the need and it allows you to think how do I scale this to ten of other customers like the one that I have now right then how do I keep so you're working on the business yeah. instead of okay this is such an important point again and thanks for bringing this up um, <clears throat> you know it's better it's the, the purpose of being in business is to raise money from customers Right in the world we live in right now, because of you know the 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 megaphone that is a Silicon Valley and that whole model of building tech companies, it's been it's been defined as raising money from venture capital or from investors, and that can be very confusing to people, right? Because you know you have to switch between those two things, right? Mm-hmm. Like building a product and selling uh, to customers is one kind of uh, trajectory. And then when you go, because you've done this, you've yeah. raised money and you've, you, it's, a, it's a step change. It's actually, the, the switching costs are not that easy and that, 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 uh, that fluid. So I, I find that that's another problem. People are not focused on raising money from customers. That's the most important thing, period, right? I mean. Yes, and um, it's taken us a long time to actually appreciate that. I know a couple of my uh, mentor friends and entrepreneur friends kept saying that early on mm. but it didn't make a lot of sense mm. to me back then like two to three years ago three years ago it didn't i didn't understand what that means i mean if we can right now what we need is to raise money to sustain the company that mm-hmm. was 
the focus mm-hmm. because of the interactions that you're having with people. If if you're constantly interacting with people whose um, main KPI is how much money you've raised, then you're going to start measuring yourself against that. Right. Right. If your investors are constantly asking you about how much runway, let's go back into the market for more money, then you'll constantly be in a state of raising and the only thing that you're looking at is investors and talking and due diligence and financial models, mm-hmm. not what... Not the business, all the fundamentals not, of not the business. Not what matters. So it's yeah. taken us a long time to understand the balance between the two. This is not to say you don't need investor money. We need investor money to scale sure. and to grow. Right. But we need to it's bring in money right. that's helping us to build the business models. The right. business models need to be growing and working. Those two have to go hand in hand. Hand in hand. And, and I think that's yeah. a very important point because, you know, it's always a, it's what comes first, right? Who's going to put money into a business that's not making money, right? It's not very yeah. unlikely. Maybe mm-hmm. friends, family or stuff like that or your yeah. own money. Yeah. So it's a sequencing thing, right? You prove the model, you build a certain size of business to validate the idea that you're that you're uh, building, because at the end of the day, the purpose of that money is to is to scale. So if you don't have a scalable model, by definition, you you, you can't raising money is is a fool's errand in, in a lot of ways, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because what is what are you going to do with the money? Yeah. Right. And people always say, "Oh, I'm going to increase my marketing." I mean, how do you know that marketing is going to trickle down to the bottom line, right, or to the top line revenue type yeah. of thing? You know. Yeah, we but, yeah. yeah we st- we started off well. We started off by being very focused on we have um, our initial model was working with financial institutions, doing the credit scoring, acquiring customers, and working with financial institutions to lend. Mm-hmm. So early on, we got we went into we went through. I'll mention that at some point through an accelerator program, got a paying MFI client. Mm-hmm. And, and MFI stands for. Oh, microfinance institution. Okay. A microfinance institution in Kenya that was willing to use our credit scoring at that time. And as a client or just as a hey, we're partners. As 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 a potential innovation client. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but they paid. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They paid for that. Okay. So that was good, but we lost it along the way. We then started chasing the fundraising and, and they're looking for money to to scale. And I feel like a lot of that came from being exposed to investors all at once and then investors now start asking you the question so what's what's the business model where is the pitch deck and then whatnot so we got into fundraising mode for a very very long time we raised money which we needed very good but we lost the balance of the business has to keep running wow wow that's super super insightful because Mm -hmm. Uh, as a young ecosystem, an emerging ecosystem, the way an ecosystem learns is by people going through those lessons. Mm-hmm. And this is an important thing. And people need to understand that because raising money is a distraction in a lot of ways. And it takes the discipline to say, you know, to have a plan and execute the plan. Um, and so I think this is so, so valuable. I cannot in- insist on it more. So maybe just even talk a little bit more about Okay, uh, how, what was the process of raising? I guess, which, how, if you can, what amounts did you raise when? And what was the sequencing of that and, and, and that type of thing? So give a little bit of color over there if you could. So after we did the testing of the prototypes and we realized where the need is, the need, we realized the need for credit is there. 
what we need to do is figure out how to how to connect the two where right. the money the, where the private capital is the money sitting at the banks to get to the farmers right. we validated the need through the prototypes we then went through an acceleration program village mm-hmm. capital for mm-hmm. three months mm-hmm. that's when we decided to quit our full-time jobs in 2015 that was at the beginning of 2015 mm-hmm. we, and let me ask you this three months seems like was it what was it structured like it seems like a a long time for yeah it was it was more one week of face-to-face time okay and the rest of the time you're validating and okay. applying what Got you it. you learned you have access to the net to the mentors and the trainers okay yeah but that process happened for three months okay it was a very important process for us to to go through mm-hmm. because from computer science very ambitious what we knew was write code create amazing things on tech mm-hmm. we didn't understand anything to do with financial business models operations yeah. and business operations mm-hmm. and raise even raising money was such a wild right. concept right. because we thought i mean when you build tech it gets bought right so you make <laughs> money <laughs> here it is tech. give me money yeah, we didn't <laughs> understand that the process of creation starts small especially for software right you it's it's cumulative gains right you now this is such an important thing again because you know you find again a lot of people so this accelerator thing mm-hmm. right uh, a lot of techies are very skeptical about uh accelerators right there's this kind of like weird relationship with it what's your sense of where techies are in terms of accelerators and that enablement um i guess space uh i feel like the reason why Techies are ske- a couple of techies are skeptical about accelerators. It's not because of the value of accelerators. It's just how some of the accelerator programs are structured. Mm. Some accelerator programs will say, okay, um, after one, you come in, you give us 2% of your company. Mm-hmm. People never want to have equity splitting company conversations even before you know what this the is. Values, it makes yeah. people very uncomfortable. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, so this is a feedback again to the accelerators. Mm. The way you structure your programs matters. Mm. Mm. Yeah, don't scare off people. Mm. I feel like that's one of the well, key how, reasons. What would be a great way that they could structure? Because you know, they could, these accelerators could structure their programs that would work for, for our situation in our market. Um, I don't have many grand ideas because the one that I went through was nearly freed. We even pay. I think we pay. It was very, very, very um, subsidized. Mm, mm. I think because they had um, some funding to be able to subsidize that. Yeah, village Capital is a big VC capital. in the US. Yeah. Yes, and and at and the, end of, at the end of at the end of it, they get to invest. So it's a deal flow for them. Right. They put in a lot of work to get good deal flow. To get deal flow and mm. to also generate deal flow for for other people. So I guess there's sponsorships involved okay. as well. That works. I feel like that works because if you start scaring off entrepreneurs early in the stage with, gonna happen, yeah, um, yeah. you're going to give us 2% of your company and then when you start making revenue we're going to share part of that revenue mm-hmm. it's it's a very uncomfortable conversation it might be very comfortable for people in the silicon valley i don't know but um the silicon Kenyans... valley it's usually it's, <laughs> it's usually it's usually a small amount of money and, and their expertise yeah. right so the money kind of yeah. the investment yeah. makes it 
easier to have the conversation because yeah. you know um, it's it's a very interesting yeah. dynamic. Yeah. Uh, the, the only way you can do that as an accelerator program if is is if you're actually putting in money, mm-hmm. put in money and mm-hmm. take equity because mm-hmm. yeah. then it becomes a, becomes an equity investment. Right, right. But just come here, we train you, we bring trainers, we talk to you and tell you things and then we're going to take 2% of the company. Mm. You can quantify that value right. in to you, but an entrepreneur who's we'll starting out may not be able yeah. to quantify what that value That's a big is. one. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard multiple conversations, a lot of people around that. It's like, we have this challenge where um, they need that support, but how are you going to quantify the value and, and ex- how is the value exchange going to work? Mm-hmm. And because we don't have early stage funders or funds or investors of, of you know, it becomes this big gap. Um, and then the, the challenge becomes only the village capitals of the world, which are again are foreign fun- funds, can actually participate, which means local capital is still not exposed because we still need, we need local capital participating. Yeah. It's this kind of weird, um, intractable, if people are scared of we don't know who the entrepreneurs are or mm. the we don't know if Kenyans will make good entrepreneurs, put your money into supporting accelerators so that they can subsidize the rates to create deal flow for you so that all you need to come in to do is seeing the business models and selecting who you want to invest yeah. in. Yeah, you know what you know what I think? I think you guys are the ones that the entrepreneurs right now are the ones who are going to be the ones to 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 unlock this yeah. this, this bottleneck yes. expecting for people who've not been exposed to startups and tech to invest i mean the older generation i think it's a bit i think it's a bit asking too much right uh, the reality of the situation is if you look at any ecosystem that has scaled it has scaled on the back of entrepreneurs who've been there done that and come and had some success understand the game come back and we invested in the ecosystem, mm-hmm. whether it's advice, whether it's money and all that stuff. So it's a cyclical thing that needs to happen. Yeah. And I think if we really look at, just listening to you, it really looks at where we are. We are kind of struggling with uh, putting the cart before the horse here, having the wrong expectation for the wrong audience. We need a cycle of founders to exit or to have some success. And that's and what back. we don't have. We don't have, we don't have a lot of yet. M&As happening. Right. I right. saw an article from Bob Colimo the other day that um, his advice to the next leadership at Safaricom is not to be afraid to go into new markets, to look at more M&As. So I hope Safaricom is going to trigger more um, acquisitions so yeah, that we can have money. Their, that's not been their strategy. That's not been their strategy. Acquisitions. Well, Bob, Bob is giving them a strategy. <laughs> it is very difficult to change the cultural mindset of an organization because people, the muscle memory has been to let's go do alpha and become the startups. And that's fine. That's legitimate. Um, but yeah, I mean, who's going to drive liquidity into the market? But I think maybe we're, you know, honestly, the way I feel is like if people focus on building fundamentally strong businesses, the solution will show up. Yeah, I feel like we st- we have a couple of high net worth entrepreneurs who can be nudged to start um, revolving their money into the ecosystem. Maybe they are in private. Yeah, I think people do in things private, in private. But do, um, yeah, yeah, I know a couple of people that have made um, angel investments who are founders as well right, in tech right, companies. Right. So it's happening. But we need we need visibility on that because yeah. that's the, that visibility very is important. what it's it's very critical to people knowing this is happening and how it happened and then every people can join in and scale it so my guys 
come out. Yeah, you need to <laughs> come to the to podcast, us. and that's why that's we said, yeah, yeah, that's why we, that's why we started this podcast. Yes. The purpose of this podcast is to drive uh, and, and democratize startup knowledge and ecosystem know-how, best practices, drive mindset change. That is the reason why we have the Chini Emerge podcast. Exactly that, because if we are not able to democratize that knowledge, localize it, and, and scale it into the ecosystem, I'm sorry, we're not going to see that traction. So you need to introduce me to some people who put capital into companies so they can come and share their story. This is the purpose of this podcast, is to change, yeah. is, to, uh, is to catalyze Silicon Savannah's uh, yeah, belief we, level. Yeah, we're still um, a bit closed. People have their own smaller relationships, mm -hmm. but at large, in terms of the visibility of what's going on in the even Nairobi tech ecosystem, leave Kenya alone out of it, mm. it's still very closed. Mm -hmm. It's very yeah. Yeah. private. Right. I'm actually impressed yeah. that you, you agreed to come to this podcast because most entrepreneurs, uh, I would say a majority of them have said, ah, you know what? I actually want to say Chini Maji, which is ironic because the podcast is called Chini <laughs> But they're like, I'm like, dude, we're not going to, we need to start telling our stories. I'm sorry. That's the way. Who are the best storytellers in the world as a, as a, as a country? Who are the best storytellers? If you had to pick one. You tell me. Think about it. It's not that hard. Uh, Americans? Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right? So if you want to be successful, guess what? You've got to emulate success. And if your story is not told... I'm sorry, you don't even exist. Nobody knows anything about you. That's a, that's a hard truth, right? And so Africans, local ecosystem, you, thank you so much for being here. I mean, you're going to inspire the next uh, uh, female founder who's maybe at UON right now or wherever she is. That's what we're supposed to do. It's about paying it forward and being bold and audacious and saying, you know what, I'm here and I was here. Because you know what, 100 years from now, nobody will even know you and I existed and it wouldn't matter. Right? So what are we scared of? Yeah, I think the other thing that happened and the reason why I feel that um, people are very skeptical, we didn't come out of um, the IHUB. We, we came straight out of college, in, when, um, spent some of our time at um, C4D Lab, which is the, mm -hmm. the University, in, of, Nairobi University of Nairobi Education Center. Yeah. We tried to latch ourselves into um, different spaces mm. before we got our own footing. Um, I feel that the, the, the other reason that why people are skeptical, it's because, you know, IHUB was the center of, right. of the universe all as far as Nairobi happening. is concerned, yeah. In terms of the, the hype, right. that's what the hype. people call it, like, <laughs> the hype of tech in Nairobi. It's, it, was, it, was, it was IHUB that, mm -hmm. drove, in, that, yeah. that drove um, that, because there were tech companies that existed before that, um, yeah. before that yeah. copycat and all those, and Craft Silicon, I don't know when started, but I'm sure they were there before. Mm. Uh, Vaviant Tech, which um, then evolved to Pesapal and all that. All those existed. And then the hype happened, which brought the international money and, money attention, and, and yeah. attention and whatnot. Right. Um, I feel that people are skeptical and I myself was skeptical for quite some time because I, did, I, I didn't feel that I owned the ecosystem. Ah. The ecosystem is owned by each and every one of us that's working in it, be it a founder, you as a tech developer in it, a, a, a founder, everyone. You're right. part of that ecosystem, the accelerators and whatnot. Right. But I feel that for me, especially for me in the um, 
and in, in, during our inception, during those first few years, it was like there was an owner of the ecosystem that IHub. centered around <laughs> IHAB and then there's the rest of us right. operating around that. Right. So I feel that the, the lack of ownership also contributes so um, people felt to, to it yeah just people felt like uh unrepresented people feel, they didn't feel like when i started getting included in in, in some of the circles you know there's a k tech entrepreneur circle there's a women in tech circle there's a founder circle and right. whatnot when i started being included in that that's when i knew that's when it started um thinking in me that um I'm part of this ecosystem, I'm a and this every little thing that I do matters, matters yeah. to this ecosystem. Right. If right. I raise, it's it's a good thing. If I'm winning on the customer side, it's a good thing. Getting uh, a partnership with Safaricom, it's a good thing mm -hmm. for the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. My contribution, um, all the other peers' contribution, mm -hmm. are the ownership. Mm -hmm. The ownership is not it's not a physical space. It's mm -hmm. not I have. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah. a, it's almost like a, a feeling. It's a belief. Yeah, it's, it's a, a, a homogenous, right? Yes. And that is such an interesting thing because you know, uh, you know, uh, I grew up basically as a as a professional in the Bay Area, in Silicon Valley, and that's kind of the ethos that I was raised as a professional. So me coming in, my expectation was, yeah, this is everybody in a tech ecosystem has this. For some reason, I assumed that that was a given, and it was a major lesson to learn that it's not true. And it's so refreshing to hear from you that, you know, you've had that step change or that mindset change. And I, I guess my question there is, are we moving in that direction now? Are we becoming more collaborative? Are we taking more ownership? Are we seeing ourselves as one thing or, or is it still in pockets? Um, it's partly still in pockets. Um, you know the conversation again around um, the the local founders and then there's the expatriate founders, founders yeah, yeah. and how the funding disparities are. <clears throat> right. You know, that's a thorn. <laughs> yeah. We scat around it uh, a couple of times, but I don't feel like that has been really addressed right. because the people who are supposed to address that, mainly the investors really showing that, you know, the patterns are suggesting that these buyers, let's figure out where the blind spots are. How are mm -hmm. we going to break those patterns? Mm -hmm. That's, that's not happening, that's right? That's not happening. So that's another so, conversation so to they, have. So mm -hmm. there's that. So that creates a pocket of its own. Um, there's, there's also disparities in terms of these these entrepreneurs that have been there for a very long time and mm. that are really doing well and mm. they're the fledgling startups mm. who don't know where to plug in, to get plug support. In. Yeah. Um, so going through it, this is our fifth year running the company. After five years, you then, you've, you've learned, you've changed mindsets and, and whatnot. So I'm in a better position now because I, I know where to go to for different things. I've made friends in the ecosystem, I'm contributing actively to the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So it's I'm, I'm in a much better place. Than you were before? To, or? To, yeah, to know, to know where I belong and to know where the ecosystem yeah. reaches and right. what it What's real and what's not real, basically. Yeah. But yeah. That's, not, that's not visible to you during your first year or right. your second year. And right. it doesn't need to be that way. Right, right. Yeah. Interesting. So can you... Can you if you go back to your first year, second year, or did, can you track if your mindset changed from more skeptical to more open? I guess you kind of said it when you started getting involved in this KU thing. 
can you do you, can you remember an inflection point where you you flipped from one thought process to another in terms of your relationship with the ecosystem and how you engaged in it? Uh, we got screwed over by investors. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we things just were happening, and I felt like this company is going downhill. Mm, mm. Then. So was this during that period <laughs> where investors came in and started telling you how to get a, you know, pro, you know, a financial model and all these other things, or when when? That was that was post. Now post that you you've got your financial model, you finished village capital, got um, some investors, and and then you realize uh, maybe that was wasn't the best deal. Mm -hmm. for, for what was your first? How much money did you get first? Um, ten thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah. Woo! Yes. Raise money. Ten thousand dollars. Somebody we believes. Were, uh, yes, we, I was at the end of my money. Okay. When that money came, came in, so it was like shoot. I need this. It was, yes, it was everything at that um, point in time. Uh -huh. You've left your job, your parents are mad, you've turned down <laughs> grad school. I turned down grad school and a job. <laughs> so you have this Google. crazy cat. Your parents yeah. are like, um, total, what's happening with this girl? You're a fastborn, you're an, a fast class, you know. So everything. <laughs> you're not following the script. You're not, yes. yes. <laughs> so. So when that $10,000 came in, it meant a lot. Validation, it meant dignity, right. it meant validation, it meant the company can progress. It meant, it meant a lot of things. Yeah. Um, looking back, it wasn't structured in the best way, really. Okay. Could have been structured. Can you talk about where it came from? Is that, are you uh, open to that? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Keep that relationship. Oh, we, we have a whole lot of we have a lot of investors, so okay. you you wouldn't even uh, be able to. Get so how many investors do you have generally? Like I can't, I can't even count. We, over ten. They keep revolving. No, not over ten. Okay. Oh, not over ten. There okay. are fewer than that, mm -hmm. and they keep revolving. Mm -hmm. Um, so that happened, and then I felt like combining my vision with the investors' vision was taking us in a direction that I didn't understand and I had an out-of-body experience for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> then, then I started talking to people. I mm. started making friends in, in the ecosystem and talking to them. Mm. That's when I realized, uh, number one, everyone is figuring it out. Mm -hmm. These people that I think are experts out here mm -hmm. are not experts. Mm -hmm. We are all figuring, out, figuring mm -hmm. it out. So mm -hmm. we are equals in a way. Right, right. Um, so so I, need, I, need to trust, I need to trust and open up to these people because if, if I'm asking questions, I'm not stupid. Right. These people have gone through the same things right. and they're also figuring things out. Mm -hmm. so, so you felt more comfortable. Day. Yeah. So from, I feel like that, that was the inflection point. point. It took getting confused because of investor funding and, and, and investor whiplash yeah, and yeah, being yeah, distracted yeah. to then know who are the right people I need to be going back to. When I look at my list of investors that I have right now, mm. there's, there's one investor that I particularly like and our conversations are always very progressive. Mm. And I met them recently and I, I came to learn that this particular investor has been founded a company that they sold, mm -hmm. medical diagnostics company, and mm. they sold that company and he started the company when he was quite young as well, in, mm. in, in his 20s. Mm. 
and that made me realize why I now tend to gravitate towards other founders, other entrepreneurs mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. when things are thick yeah. because yeah. they understand the struggle. struggle. Facts, talk they about understand it. the struggle. Yeah. If it's investor whiplash that you're having or investor is saying this, your body is saying this, but your hunch is telling you this, mm-hmm. they've probably been in that situation. So the best advice that I've received so far that mm-hmm. Um, guides me as, or has helped me make decisions. It's mm. from my fellow um, entrepreneurs. Yeah, entrepreneurs. Yeah. That's not to discredit advice from advisors and, and I mean, other I think people. I, I, it's it's just ahead. that you need you need to understand. You need to interact with other people in the same boat or been there, done that, and they are very yeah. accessible. Right. Because I had this impression that these guys have made it. Why would I talk to a cellulant founder? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I how do I even set up a meeting? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> send, send an email. <laughs> everyone is so accessible. Mm-hmm. Craft Silicon, Kamal, mm-hmm. very accessible. Mm-hmm. But the impression I had back then was, was wow, like, how yeah. many peers do I have to talk to before I talk to Kamal, right? right? right, right. So... So that's been helpful for you. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's 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 great stuff. So I guess I mean we've gone in We've gone everywhere. Yeah, but we've talked about so many cool things. Yeah. So I guess we don't even have your story yet in terms of okay the sequencing of it, which is fine. And we are kind of almost done here and yeah. maybe we'll have to bring you you know what we'll do? We'll bring Rita in to talk a little bit more about, mm-hmm. you know, whatever she wants to talk about. Maybe she will yeah. be able to cover more of that. But um yeah. I guess one She'll talk more about the cool tech that we've built because she runs that team. Okay. Yeah, All we've right. done a whole lot of cool things behind the scenes. Okay. You know, to, to the to the public, it's you're giving loans to smallholder farmers, but small it's not company, a simple as not that. a bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the back end of it is really intense and um and intelligent. And you guys, you guys are. I mean, yeah. I'm so impressed by Thank that you. both of you guys are coders. And you, you're building the thing, you're owning the IP top to bottom and building a team. That is, I and, mean... And we are working with Safaricom. Okay, that's... <laughs> <We> mean, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's... It's, mean, a, that's, good, yeah. it's a good thing. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's a good thing. I mean, your line, yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll tell your you line is a Safaricom line. Let, let, me, let, me, let me explain. Uh, <laughs> there's a mixed... In the ecosystem, right? As yeah. you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's mixed... Um, how do I put it? Uh, perspective around partnerships are not easy to execute. The reason why I'm bringing up Safari for us in this case, it to be more like we are running a partnership with a big corporate. <clears throat> our systems are integrating with big enterprise systems of a big corporate. That's a, that's, no, that's a, good. But here's the, the thing: you gotta put, you gotta put it in context because what okay. people tend to do, right? What people tend to do is they tend to run. A, to the big corporates at the wrong time and the big corporates don't know what to do then yeah and then it becomes a distraction for them yeah so all these things are nuanced oh yes yes there's that there's that so um the context here is mm. we have built tech that's able to integrate to corporate enterprise systems mm-hmm. and run things in production, mm-hmm, like brand, mm-hmm. do things. So it's, that it's are, a stable, right? you know, enterprise we've, level. We've financed more than 20,000 farmers in, in less than a year. You know, that's banks, what we should be talking about. Banks have, some banks haven't even done that in, in, in the small business That's what I want to hear, that's sector, what people want right? to hear. 20,000 financial relationships or whatever, your transactions with farmers, that's dope. I mean, the fact that your, your back end is tied to some other big companies, that's not, ex- that's cool, but that's just a, 
It's like a plugging a wire into a wall. Great. Isn't the name Chinia Magic? We are chini amaji about the cool things that we do. <laughs> Unless you have a reason to, from a competitive nini standpoint or whatever, or you try to hide from investors, I don't know. No, we are really, I mean, we are big. We have cool tech integrated to big um, enterprise systems. We financed more than, our portfolio is really big. It's even bigger than... What's your growth rate right now? How, 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 so, how some of the uh, financial... Um, growth rate in terms of the customer numbers or the top what, what, line what's your top what's your key KPI? Or, or, or what do you measure? What's your line. what's your number one KPI that you measure? Um it keeps changing. Hmm. Yeah, which is what well, there's there's a key one, there's there's the main one that doesn't change, but there's others that keep shifting sure. depending on um, the needs. There's there's a certain point when my key KPI is how like the team culture and the performance. Because it's 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 very important. That's but what drives the, the biz, what drives the business? It's repayments. Okay. It's repayments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The key KPI is is our ability to NPLs or to collect right collection. Yes. Yeah. And, and not recoveries collections because collections is what the repayment. It's what you recover from the customer without without putting so much. It's basically your, your margin. That's yeah. basically your business. It's your margin. So yeah. that's our call um, KPI currently because we are a digital lender. Right. And um, the number of customers that we are reaching. Because okay. for us, the number of customers that we are reaching, it's it points to how many customers are we including into the financial ecosystem. Nice. Yeah. How many farmers that haven't been able to get an instant loan when they need it to buy fertilizer are now getting this yeah. this loan how many customers are we retaining how many yeah. of them are um coming back but it starts with the repayment <coughs> right. uh, matrix right. that's the core one mm. and the other things can, mm. can mm. shift around so so let's kind of wrap up here so where what's the future of farm drive where are you guys taking this um what does that look like it's a 40 billion dollar market in africa mm-hmm. lending to to agriculture only one percent of that portfolio is being met by all commercial banks and institutions mm-hmm. in 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 the African continent. Mm-hmm. And it, it's the same statistic in in Kenya from CBK. I think it's less than four percent of the commercial put, the lending portfolio goes to the agriculture sector. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a big market. It's, someone has got to drive that up. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's can we drive that up to ten percent to fifteen percent? People will always eat. Food will always need to be produced. Right. Farming, you can, Producers you can, yeah. in Africa are mm. mainly smallholder farmers. I know there's people now talking about large-scale farming and precision agriculture and what, what. But in the now, food is being produced by smallholder farmers. Those are the micro-businesses that are producing the food that's consumed um, in the continent when you eliminate what we're importing. The reason why we're actually importing a lot of food is because Farmers are not able to optimally produce. If mm. they don't have money, that's even worse. Yeah. They, they won't produce. So mm. you you bring in your eggs and whatnot from yeah. from abroad. From abroad. Yeah. So actually, it's it's, so it's, it's actually in a sense uh, closing a big uh, economic uh, uh, loophole. It's all tied. Yeah. Right. So that we can actually catalyze our own local economy. Yeah. From farm to table. Mm-hmm. Right. Very very important. So yeah. this is good stuff. I mean. W- You'll have to come for part two. I think, yeah. I guess Rita will come and then we'll see how that goes. But um, 
final question here. So what has been your maybe two or three biggest lessons in your entrepreneurial journey that uh, parting shots that you, you would give advice to emerging entrepreneurs? Believe in yourself, very cliche, but truly, truly matters. When you believe in yourself, you radiate this, you, you give the same vibrations to anyone that you're interacting with, your customers and, and the ecosystem. Then they're able to see what you're bringing to the table. Right. The other reason why I say believe in yourself, it's because the entrepreneurship journey, pe people tend to say it can be very lonely and now I understand why that's the case. It's because you talk to a lot of people, you're always, you know, interacting with teams, talking to people, which doesn't seem lonely from the outside, but it's very lonely in that at the end of the day, whatever everyone is saying, you're the one who has to make the decision. the decision. You're the one who has to decide which direction the business is we'll taking. Yeah. And there are always very many dilemmas and things to choose, options to choose from. Right. So you have to believe in yourself to be able to to survive that. Right. Number two. Trust the ecosystem that you trust that people mean well for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. trust that the space that you're working in and the people that you're interacting with they mean well for you that's a big one because we have a very 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 low trust yeah. because I mean culture when yeah. it comes to business mm -hmm. that's a big one yeah when you when you start trusting then you you're even able to point out the wrongdoings yes you can legitimately do that. That I'm coming from a place of trust, and this is, this is not right. This is not right. When you trust, you're able to see something that didn't didn't happen well, and you mm -hmm. can course correct. Mm -hmm. What about integrity? So you can tr trust is one thing, but you also mm -hmm. have to be trustworthy. You have to be trustworthy. Yeah, it it goes hand in hand. Of mm -hmm. course, if if you want to be trusted and you want to gain trust, then it, it goes it goes hand in hand. Um, the, final one. The final mm. one. Mm. You can't do without a team. Mm. So build, build a great team. It's very, it's one of the most difficult things to do as, as a manager, building a great team and building a great culture. Mm -hmm. But it's it's the core of, of your will. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a team, you, you, can't, you can't do you can't do much. Mm -hmm. If you want to go further then you, you need a great team. It it takes time. But build build a great team around you. Awesome. Man, Paris, this has been awesome. This has been wonderful. A lot of nuggets. Um, thank you so much for coming through and uh, and that's it for this week. Until next time. Thank you for having me. Shout out to James, the greatest designer in Nairobi. I gotta be James. <laughs>